Welcome back. We're in Revelation chapter 17, verse 17. Let's go. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast, until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. Verse 17, it says, For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Who put this in their hearts? God. He's using these evil people who have rejected him, who are living lives that are in complete opposition to him, and he's using them as part of his plan. Remember what history is. It is his story. Spell history. H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. Now separate it. H-I-S T H I S and then kind of borrow the S again. S-T-O-R-Y. History is his story. What the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. He is so sovereign. So here, he put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. He turned them over to their debased minds. Just like Pharaoh, he finally hardened uh, he, he hardened Pharaoh's heart's heart because he knew where Pharaoh was going. And he used it for his purposes, for the um, judgment on Israel. And they were enslaved. And then they were finally released. But God orchestrated all of that. There was free will involved by the people, but there's also sovereignty of God. And they work together somehow. I don't know how they work together, but God knows. And it's clear. The Bible is very clear that he's sovereign and that we have free will. Um, but he's going to use people. Currently, he's using people, evil people around the world, evil people in our government, people who say they're Christians, people who say they're Catholic and subscribe to the fact that Jesus is Lord, but they don't. Not with, the, not with their policies, not with their words, not with their actions. Um, they say the complete opposite. The, the fruit falling from that tree is not, does not look like an apple if it's an apple tree. It looks like an orange or a walnut or something. And we just have to be able to see through that. We have to be able to spot false teachers and false prophets and false people and, and help people. And it's not to judge and say, okay, you're on that team, I'm on this team. No, it's saying... Here's the team I'm on, and it's the winning team, and I know this, and I know it's the winning team because here, here's the playbook. It's called the Bible. It's got 66 different books written by 40 different people. It's an incredible playbook, and it's truthful. And unlike a football game that you might go watch or watch on TV where you don't know how it's going to end, we know how the story is going to end. We know that those who accept Jesus will go to heaven, right? You're... He was your substitute if you accept that. But you must accept it. You must place your faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except by me. So we, we know that there's people who have rejected him. So we want to love on these people. And it's hard, right? Because our instincts probably initially are to say, ah, oh, that person, I just wish they'd be put out of office. I wish they'd die. I wish my boss would go away, have a heart attack. Whatever, you know, whatever someone may be thinking, um, or my friend would move away, or this person, this neighbor, etc. Whatever it is that you think would heal it. And instead, in that moment of anger and kind of desperation, just say, Lord, you forgave me. And I used to be just like them. And I still do things like them, but 
my heart belongs to you. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. But I understand that although the Spirit is willing, my flesh is weak. Help me, Lord, to forgive them and to want to love on them and want to share the truth, even if they push it back in my face, even if they push me out of a circle, circle social circle, I don't get a raise, etc. But God's going to use people for his plan. And that includes both Christians, believers, and also includes unbelievers, people who reject him and people who absolutely hate him. He will use them. And it says to be of one mind. So he makes these people of one mind that they hate Christians, that they hate Jesus. And it says, and to give their kingdom to the beast. So again, this is part of God's plan. They are going to um, give their worship and they're going to declare their king to be the beast, the Antichrist, Satan, not even a world religion anymore because that got squashed, right? That was the religious Babylon that we just talked about that got squashed. And it says in verse 18, and the woman you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. This is the harlot, religious Babylon, the future world religion with a headquarters somewhere, probably in Rome. And uh, perhaps this great city is either uh, Rome at that point in time, or it is Babylon. And because, you know, the the future, what we'd call Babylon, whether it's actually called Babylon or it's, it's you know, symbolic of Babylon, which is opposition to God. Remember that Jerusalem is a kind of city representative to God, to Jesus, and that Babylon is the city in opposition to God and in favor of Satan and rejecting Jesus. And so it says, the woman you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Chapter 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So verse 1, after these things, after what things, after what's been transpiring, I saw, this is John, he saw another angel, so it's a different angel, coming down from heaven, down from heaven, that's directional, and having great authority. So this uh, angel has great authority for whatever reason. We're not told or what that authority is, but it just says this angel has great authority. And it says, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. This is not God's glory, but the angel's glory, uh, because God made this angel special. And it's, the devil lurks in the darkness, but God is light. I encourage you to run towards the light and away from the darkness. People feel safer in the light than they do in the darkness, right? Isn't that just common sense, right? If you're scared at night and it's dark in your home, what do you do? You turn on lights. You just feel safer in the presence of light. And you will feel safer in the presence of Jesus than you will feel if you deny and reject Jesus as your Lord. Right? We're not to, if you're a Christian, you're not to take the light. And what is light anyways? Think about the sun and the moon. If you look at the moon at night, you say, oh, it's lit up. It's beautiful. The moon actually doesn't produce any light. It just reflects the light of the sun. We don't produce any light and righteousness 
We just reflect the light and righteousness of Jesus. Another reason why we should be so grateful for the grace of God, because it's not by our deeds, not by our works, not by our righteousness, but by His upholding the law, His, Him being God, Him having taken the sins of the world upon Him, Him being the propitiation for our sin. His blood runs down and covers us, and His scarlet blood makes us white as snow pure and that's an amazing amazing thing and so that light and it also you know you you wouldn't go and hide your light on uh, or hide your lamp in a corner because then what's the point of no one else in the in the house or that area is going to have any light no you want to go and you want to shine your light brightly on the hill you want people to see it so i encourage you to come out of the closet come out of your shell if you say you love jesus then does anybody know? Think about the homosexual community, right? It used to be so hard for them to, what they call, quote-unquote, coming out of the closet. Now it seems a lot easier, not for all of them, but for some of them to say that. Um, but Christians, God is calling you to come out of the closet. If you're in the closet, meaning, think of this, you're just in your home, and you read your Bible there, and you pray there, but that's as far as you ever take it. You don't witness to people at work. You don't witness to your boss. You don't witness to your employees. You don't witness to your colleagues. You don't witness to the people who you play golf or tennis with or when you're watching the soccer games or ballet or anything for your kids or you're going hunting or fishing. I mean, how often in that are you just telling jokes and life stories and complaining and talking about vacations? And how often are you actually sharing truth, stuff that's lasting I'm telling you, my, my favorite relationships, there's probably nothing more that I would rather do than to have a deep, meaningful, vulnerable conversation with a person. My wife, uh, mother, father, friend, colleague, neighbor, believer, unbeliever, just getting real. Those are the kind of relationships that I crave uh, and the kind of encounters that I just I crave. They're just amazing. It doesn't happen every moment. Uh, because we get busy with life. But I encourage you to go out and be light in a lost and dying world, to be salt and light. Verse 2, it says, And he cried mightily with a loud voice. Who cried? This is the angel. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison file, uh, for every foul spirit, and the the word cried, so in verse 2 it says, And he cried. The definition is to croak or to scream or to call aloud, to cry out. It doesn't mean that he cried with, you know, tears of sadness. Uh, this is, you know, tears of, uh, this is a, a loud, like, war cry of truth. And he's crying mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit in a cage, for every unclean and hated uh, bird. In verse 3, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So here we have religious Babylon falling. Remember we, did, we said that it gets destroyed mid-tribulation or very shortly thereafter. By once the beast, once the Antichrist declares himself to be God and morphs into what we would call the beast, energized and or uh, indwelled by Satan, 
and they destroy that one world religion, um, which it doesn't matter, right? Because it was a false religion anyway. So to me, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, who cares? It was, it was all false anyways. It doesn't matter. It's not like it was a good religion. There is no good religion. There's only Christ followers. That's it. That's the only thing. That's truth. Um, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. So he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the Great is fallen. This is a great thing. This, this false world religion will not last long. I believe that this will occur mid-tribulation. I believe the Antichrist will tolerate this world religion as he gains acceptance and loyalty from the earth dwellers. But then mid-tribulation, when he declares himself to be God, then uh, religion would have served as purpose for him. And then he wipes out that world religion because he wants the entire world to worship who? Himself. So the chronology of Revelation gets sidetracked for a moment to talk about the failing of this world religion in the middle of the tribulation. Remember that Babylon is symbolic of mankind's rebellion against their creator. People worship themselves, they worship their peers, creation itself, and they want their God to reflect their feelings, all the while rejecting and denying the one God who created them and the one God who can forgive them. As I was shaving this morning, I had a thought about feelings, and I was looking back in time at my life, and I'm going to state something then ask you something. I look back on many decisions in my life, and I wish I had made those decisions differently. I wish, wish I would have behaved differently. I wish I would have done something different than what I felt was what I should or wanted to do in the moment. Am I alone on that? Or can I hear an amen on that? Have you looked back in your past and said, I wish I could do this over? I used, you know, when I was young, I look back and I'm like, wow, how could I have thought that? Wow, I can't even believe that. Man, if I could go back in time... And, and tell myself some things, what would they be? And many of them would be, change your thoughts, change your focus, change your feelings, because you're going to regret this. Go with Jesus. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And his truth is absolute. And you can read it in the Bible, and you can understand it, and you can know it, you can feel it. You read the end of the story. We know the beginning of the story. We know the middle of the story. And you're an actor in there somewhere that God doesn't need you but he wants you. So I look at the same for this and people who are making up their false religions based on feelings and thoughts. Well, they're going to change, just like my feelings have changed over time. And what I, what I would go back and say to myself, and it's going to be too late when these people stand before judgment. God's going to say, blah, blah, blah. And they're not going to go back and say, well, you know what? Forgive me, Lord. My thoughts and my feelings prevailed and I didn't listen to your truth. No, they're just going to Continue, continue to be hardened and say, eh, screw you, God. Uh, do what you need to do. I think I'm a good person. He's going to say, well, you're not. <laughs> and you can't be in heaven with me. So uh, tomorrow we will pick up with uh, kind of the middle of verse of chapter 18, verse 2. Lord, help us to be driven by truth, to understand that there are absolutes in life, it makes sense. Mathematicians will tell you there's absolutes. Scientists will tell you there are absolutes. But if they want to say that there are no absolutes, then they're going to be wrong. And we know that because they can't have science without understanding some absolutes, some truths, some, some fundamental foundational things about science. And yet many scientists don't believe in absolutes, and or they'll declare evolution as an absolute, for an example. Lord, help us to see the truth, to know who you are, 
to trust you, to love you, to read your word, your love letter to us, to be changed by it and to pray, not because it changes your mind, Lord, but because it changes our hearts. Help us to be better Christ followers and help us to go and share that light, to be a bright light in our community, regardless of the consequences. In your amazing name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.